The epistle reading for today is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. When the day of the Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and the tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other language as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in, their na- in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Thyrgia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with them, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, if you haven't heard yet, today is Pentecost. It is, uh, you know, if, if we were to put together the three biggest holidays of the church, they would, of course, be Christmas, 
right? And then Easter, and then Pentecost. Now, the church has always been more comfortable with Christmas because it's a baby and we get to gather in the evening and sing silent night and light candles and and bask in the glory of this gift of God's incarnation, God's presence with us. But of course, the birth story, the birth of a Messiah doesn't really make any sense without the life and teachings of Christ and particularly his death and resurrection. And so Easter doesn't make any sense without Christmas. And then Easter doesn't really go anywhere without Pentecost. Because this is the key to really the whole thing moving forward. It went from being this small band of disciples, mostly fearful, mostly um, entirely Jewish followers of what was called the Way of Christ. But they were pretty insulated. They were pretty concerned about themselves and their safety until Pentecost. Now, Pentecost... um, is a Jewish holiday. It is uh, talked about in the Torah. Uh, if you were to take Deuteronomy 16, you would find references to the Pentecost, to Pentecost, Festival of Booths. It is a time where the Jewish people celebrate the gift of the Torah, the gift that united the people around God's call in their lives. And so it was uh, a time when, when people from all over uh, came to um, uh, Jerusalem to celebrate this gift of Torah. And uh, it says, Rejoice before the Lord. This is Deuteronomy 16.11. Rejoice before the Lord your God and your sons and your daughters, your male and your female slaves, the Levite residents in your town as well as the strangers, the orphans and the widows who are among you at a place that God will choose as dwelling for his name. It is a time where all the peoples, male and female, slaves and free, uh, residents and aliens, any of those, anybody in the land came to remember that they are part of this covenant that God declared upon uh, the Hebrew people, a time to remember that we are bound together by the law. And so it's, I think, fascinating that the day of Pentecost in the church becomes a day, again, that is about God sending not the law this time, but the Holy Spirit to come and infuse the church and create a people that are bound together, not by the law, but by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit of God. It as it happens, as, as uh, Alan read for you in, um, from Acts this morning, again, you have in Jerusalem all of the people from all around uh, the ancient Near East gathered in Jerusalem. And, of course, you know the story. There are people that uh, speak various languages, and they, they have, you know, different experiences of life and culture and... It is in this gathering that God rushes in with God's Holy Spirit. And suddenly people who, who didn't know each other, who didn't understand each other, maybe didn't even like each other, trust each other, care about each other. 
but suddenly they were able to speak and understand one another, and they were empowered by God's Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that took this fearful band of disciples, small, and expanded it and expanded it, and the rest of the book of Acts, as we have been reading for these last many weeks, is the story of God sending out through the work of the Holy Spirit, sending the people out into the world. It is the Spirit's gift to empower the church, and thus why it is such a big holiday uh, and celebration in the life of the church. It is a time to expose ourselves to the wind, to allow God to move us, to allow God to equip us. I have been thinking recently, um, I think because it's coming up on my Facebook feed, but I shared with you a couple of weeks ago about the the last church that I I pastored, having uh, dwindled down to such a small little congregation and such a valuable piece of property that they made a decision that not very, very few churches are called to do. A decision to tear down two-thirds of their property, leaving their historic sanctuary, in order to birth a new church. This was a church that was, three years ago at this time, well, they should have been scared. What happened is that they... um, In the first week of June, the bulldozers came and tore down the buildings. The buildings, we had had, um, vacated the buildings months earlier. And in those months, uh, transients had moved into the buildings. Drug addicts had taken over the buildings to the extent that the police wouldn't even go into the buildings. I, as the pastor, did not enter the property except on Sunday mornings because it was too dangerous to be on the property. And on the morning that we began demolition, I and the foreman of the construction crew went through the building with, with uh, bullhorns to announce that these buildings are coming down. Please come out if you're in the buildings, if you're out, you know. And we, we looked through every nook and cranny to make sure that the buildings had been properly vacated. And then the bulldozers came. And they started doing their work. Now, one of the important things that we had to do before this happened was we had to make sure that the sanctuary building that stood in the middle of the property uh, had electricity. The electrical transformers were in another building. And so we had to set up temporary power to the sanctuary. We tore down all of the other buildings. And two nights later, thieves came in and stole the copper wires from the sanctuary, uh, the electrical lines. And once again, the sanctuary did not have any power. At this point, I I was not even, I had, after we got the buildings down, I had a long scheduled vacation and I was on vacation. And it turned out that now their one remaining building didn't have power. And it was Sunday morning Well, Saturday, they figured out that they didn't have power or phone service to the church. And they they went to the storage unit where the church was storing some of its thing, and they pulled out out a piano, and they grabbed some chairs from the storage unit, and they set up their narthex to worship in. Just 
the very few of them that were left, they gathered for worship. And, and in their narthex, it was not like your narthex. It was very, very dark. It had this beautiful stained glass window that was the pride and joy of the church. But months earlier, some vandals had broken the stained glass window. And so it was boarded up. And so this church, without its buildings, without power, grabbed its piano, grabbed some chairs, and worshipped in darkness in their narthex. My last few weeks worshipping with that congregation, it was so evident that the Spirit of God was working in this church. They were filled with joy. One of my uh, partners in this project said they reminded me of the Who's in Whoville. In <laughs> Dr. Seuss's story where the, the Who's, even though the Grinch stole the Christmas tree and even though, though all the presents were gone and all the food and all the whatever, they gathered around the Christmas tree and they sang anyway because it was Christmas. And that's what happened in this church. They went from being a very fearful band of disciples. They had whittled their church down to a very few people. To suddenly the spirit began to work in them and they could see that even in the midst of the ruins, literal ruins of their church, that God could and would create something new out of them. It's so exciting for me to see and to know that that church is now growing. It is full of young people and children. They hadn't had children in the church in 20 years. Now they have children. They, had, they have turned this church into a community of, of welcome and hospitality. And God's Spirit is working through them because they were willing to step into the wind and to allow the Spirit of God to move them. I had the experience a few years back of being in, in Pensacola, Florida, which is on the Gulf of Florida, during a, a hurricane. But it was just, you know, just a Category 1 or hurricane. That's sort of like a, you know, like a five-point earthquake or something like that. You could still be there. And, and as the storm was approaching, I walked out onto the beach, which in Pensacola is this little narrow strip island thing, and could feel the power of the ocean and the hurricane as that hot air was causing my hair to stand up on end. And there was just this wonderful power of creation stirring. Now, I would not have wanted to be out there, of course, if it was a level three or four hurricane, but it was just this powerful thing. Sometimes we in the church, I think the reason that Pentecost is... um, a little understated sometimes is because we forget that, or we don't like really, that this, this is a holiday that sends us out. It doesn't allow us to, to stay safely inside anymore. It's a holiday that requires us to go out into the world, to be bearers of peace and mercy and justice and kindness in the world, to be people who, who practice what Jesus taught us. You know, up until this point, the disciples had just been followers of Jesus. They had been following him around, admiring his good works, nodding at his teachings, sort of taking it all in. It was a sort of gestation period for them, but now it is time to give birth. 
It is time to move out from the safety of our, our lovely buildings and sanctuaries and out into the world to bring the good news. And of course, as we read in Acts, the disciples, once they start trusting that wind, once they start knowing that they are being led by God, they can let go of their fear, they can let go of their anxiety and their worry about uh, holding on to things and allow God's Spirit to work through them. It is always my, my prayer as I think about Pentecost that I would be open to God's Spirit working in my life, that I would be willing to step into the wind, allow God to, to ruffle my feathers, to cause my hair to stand on end, to lead me where God would call me to go. And of course, that's my prayer for the church as well, for all of us here at Riviera, but for the United Methodist Church as a whole, that we would be people who are willing to trust the work of the Holy Spirit, that we are willing to step out in faith, to let God, uh, God's Spirit, that wind, that rush, that fire, take us in all of our angst and worry and struggle and empower us, send us out, send us out not with a spirit of fear, but with a spirit of love and power and wisdom in the world. Scriptures tell us that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of knowing that God's Spirit is at work in your life and in your church, the fruits of the Spirit are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Let us look for those signs of the Spirit in our own lives. Let us look for those signs of the Spirit in the way that we we live our lives together as a congregation and let us bear witness to those signs out in the world. I'm going to name them again. I want to to think about which one of these is, is a gift that you want to work on, that you want to carry forth in your world. You can just pick one now. You can pick two you know, one for this year, okay? And then you can pick another one. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit. They are the signs that God is at work in our lives. May we be willing to step forward, step into the wind. Let the wind move and inspire and challenge us as individuals and as a congregation. May God's Spirit be known in all that we do. May Christ lead us forward in ministry, pushing us out of these doors and into the world that awaits the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Holy God, send your Spirit upon us. Rush into each heart. Rush into each spirit. Fill us, God, anew with the gifts that you would have us to claim for ourselves and that you would have us to bring out into the world. God, send us forth, equip us, inspire us, renew us, challenge us, and disturb us that we might be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen.